between our hair, our health, and our heritage. For my second season, I'm facilitating conversations with successful hairstylists and barbers. I'd love to invite you to listen in as we explore the significance of hair, the important relationship between hair artists and their community, and why this work is so important to us, and even some common myths about this work. In this episode, we will discuss the politics of hair. I had a conversation with Ms. Yanae Damtu, the owner of Aesthetic Salon in Arlington, Virginia. A girl on the go, Yanae made a name for herself as the person to go to for unsurpassable standards of fashion-forward hairdressing. So immediately following cosmetology school, the Ethiopian-American La Palma, California native launched her career, and within six months, she packed her bags and moved to Washington, D.C. to become one of the two personal hairstylists to the Obama family. She prides herself on her standard of excellence in both high fashion and classical hair. Her unfaltering belief in continual education and development is what drives her forward and keeps her way ahead of the game. Yanae's energetic attitude and go-getter work ethic has also garnered the attention of other beauty industry professionals. She has developed a skill for combining a good hair is healthy hair philosophy with a modern and edgy style gaining her a celebrity clientele, such as the actress Tracy Ellis Ross, agent Naomi King, Sky Jackson, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, actor Hugh Jackman, and New York's NBC anchor Jumi Olabanji. In 2015, Yene earned her Bachelor's of Business Administration from Marymount University. She has consulted a number of budding entrepreneurs on developing and executing improved operational procedures to achieve their organizational objectives. On her free time, Yene still finds a way to give back to her community. She currently sits as an advisory board member for the Color Vision and Habisha Networks. She has donated her time to help Society of Girls, Inc., which empower the next generation of girls to be smart, resourceful, and confident by engaging them in their communities, building their self-esteem, and encouraging them to make a positive mark on the world. So please tune in for this important interview. I hope you learn a lot. I'm excited to be sitting here with you today, the anticipation. <laughs> All right, so I know I gave this whole bio that I took off your website, um, but we've known each other for a few years. And yeah, so like, we've connected yeah. in various hair-related industry settings. So I know there's way more to your story than what's in your bio. So if you could tell me a little bit more um, in terms of what... Um, really motivated you to start doing hair how did you fall in love with hair um I wish that I had like this profound story of like oh when I was a kid I played with my Barbie dolls and I knew that that's what I wanted to do but um it's really simple I grew up in uh, La Palma California as you said and my parents um 
and my brother, we all lived there together. And my mom would work from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. So in the morning, oh, it was just shit. my dad, myself, and my brother. And so when it came to figuring out what to do with my hair, it was something that I had to figure out on my own. My mom would do my hair on Saturdays or Sundays, and we would wash it and braid it or plait it or do whatever we want to get me ready for the week. But as I got older, it was just like, all right, I was responsible for maintaining it myself. Um, so I think that's where the interest really sparked. Um, that I remember on Sundays going, growing up, my mother used to put hot rollers in her hair. And it was a fascinating thing for me to watch because I'd be like, oh, she put these cl- like these plastic rollers in her hair and then she'd get in the shower with the shower cap and when she would come out, um, her hair would be curled and I'd be like, what is going on here? So I always like, yeah, I would always be like, you know, when I could sneaking in her room and putting them in my hair or trying to do something. So, um, I think that's when the entrance really started. And then growing up in the nineties and early two thousands, braids were a trend. So my brother grew out his hair. And so I'd be like, let me, let me try. So I started with just using him as my guinea pig, um, and as my skill developed, my parents were like, all right, you have to braid his hair every week. And if you don't braid his hair, then you can't go out or you can't oh. take the car. It was just kind of wow. the agreement. <laughs> and then at 16, um, there was a regional occupational program that my high school offered at the local uh, community college, which had a cosmetology program. So I um, enrolled and kind of let the rest be history. So I think that, you know, playing in my hair and and changing my hairstyles was just something that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of sparked the interest. And I think I always tell people that in the industry, when people are like, oh, you know, how do you stay motivated? How do you stay inspired? I'm just like, I think that hair was within me. I think it was something that I always cared about. Um, And as I got deeper into my career, understanding the effect that it has on the clients that come and sit in our chairs um, as stylists, it's a very intimate relationship. And so... Um, it was satisfying and it just, it made me feel good that I was able to help someone else feel good. Yeah. And it sounded like you had a real responsibility. Like you had to take care of your hair. Mm-hmm. You had to take care of your brother's hair. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of flowed from there in terms of that being responsible and creating these, these works of art um, on yourself and your family. And so I've heard you say in the past that hair has to move. Who tell you that I feel like you had some mentors my mentor so Johnny Wright um, who was my second mentor I guess I could say because I worked with um, the first person that took me to the salon um, her name is Eve um, and so Johnny when I started working with him he used to say hair is a language um, if it is if it isn't moving then it has no voice so it's like he, he used to say, it's a combination of two hairs and language. If it isn't moving, then it has no not, um, has no voice. And it's the first thing a woman says before she speaks. Deep. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so it was something that kind of stood out to me. And I ne- in the beginning, I didn't fully understand it. But as I grew within my career and I understood how women use hair as a form of expressing themselves, mm-hmm. it made me realize, okay, that makes sense. You know, it says... Clients walk into the salon and I could tell the type of client they are or their profession based on their hair. The silhouette of a woman who works in politics, the silhouette of a person who works in the arts, the silhouette of a person who is a creative 
is very different. Mm -hmm. If you work in corporate environments, you want sleeker hair, nothing too fancy. Um, If you work in the arts, you're a little more expressive. You're willing to try new things. You're willing to change your hair color. You'll wear your hair natural one day that's, you know, like blonde or brown. And the next day you could cut it off or or put it in a sleek bun and it'd be okay. Or you could straighten it. You're creative. So you use your hair as a form of expression. (laughs) You got me curious now. I'm like, what does my hair say? Would you be able to tell what I do or... No, but I not just off of your hair, but I think that you have to look at your overall look. Okay, you know so how it's combined, it's, 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 it's combined all together. So you you know you're wearing something professional, but there's patterns, there's bold mm-hmm. colors. Okay, your hair is out and natural. Your okay. earrings, your jewelry, your accessories okay. aren't traditional. <laughs> what you would see so the everyday risk. woman. I have some. Edge so yeah, too. so you have some edge. But I also <laughs> think that. Black women wearing their hair natural, generally, they live, they're living their their life, like, boldly and profoundly and not really caring what people say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, depending on where you were raised and where you grow up, you know, you, you hear all these stories about a girlfriend who lived in Thailand, and people would come up and just touch her hair or touch mm-hmm. her son's hair. And it's not... I don't really think it's that they're trying to be rude. I think it's that they're just genuinely intrigued. They're and I think that people. you hear that a lot with girls who wear their hair natural. It's just like, how did your hair how did your hair do that? You know, and I'm like, I blow dried it. <laughs> or I wet it and now my hair has switched, you know? Yeah. So it's just things like that that I think that, you know, hair hair it it tells your story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in writing that story, then, I'm curious, what products or tools do you use to create these narratives, these stories? How do you get hair to move? Not too many products, nothing too heavy. Um, And it's about finding a balance with, you know, keeping your hair moisturized and keeping your scalp healthy, but not weighing it down. And, you know, there, I don't want to say that I'm an anti- you know, hair oil stylist, um, cause mm-hmm. I really believe in moisture and I really believe in protecting your hair, but I also am not the stylist that's going to like put heavy products. I think that there's a phenomenon of coconut oil that came around and everyone's like, you got to have coconut oil in your hair. And I'm like, that's fine. But I tell people like, depending on where you live, if you put coconut oil in your hair and you're out and about walking these streets and it's hot outside, your hair is going to cook. It's going to fry. You're going to have heat damage. Really? Yeah. You're going to have heat damage. There's no different. People use coconut oil to cook. You put coconut oil on a skillet and you put some onions on it and the skillet's up high enough, it's going to fry your hair. So it's just about understanding and making sure that you put products um, that take care of your hair, but it's about nourishing from within. Mm-hmm. There's not much you could do topically that is going to make a lifelong change in your hair. Mm. Um, You have to take care of your insides. Um, I try to encourage clients, you know, to treat what's going on internally before we could treat what's going on externally. I can, I could, I could give you steam treatments all day long. I could put oils on your hair all day long, but if you're putting oil on your hair and it immediately like, so your scalp soaks it up. They're, you're dry, mm-hmm. but your skin's probably dry too. You so know, it's not just your, it's dehydration. Mm-hmm. So it's just like reinforcing that moisture. Why I'm so big on steam treatments is because, you know, this, the heat opens up the cuticles. Your, your scalp's really able to penetrate the moisture um, and, and really nourish your follicles and, and promote hair growth and, and, and add shine. Um, but 
if you change your diet, you're going to see that too. And positively or negatively, I tell people all the time, there are a lot of people who are vegan and don't take, you know, supplements and their hair gets brittle and wiry and mm-hmm. fine. And it's like your hair needs protein. Yeah, That's why people do protein treatments. But then you could, there's people who come in and are like, I want a protein treatment. And it's like, why do you want a protein treatment? Because I read about it and I, I read that protein is good. So I'm going to get a protein treatment. I'm like, well, too much of anything is bad for you. So maybe your hair doesn't need protein. Maybe your hair needs something else. And like, let's figure out what you're trying to combat and what you're trying to address before we just like throw a topical treatment on your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell clients all the time that, You can't believe everything that you read and that you see because that client may not, you don't know what's going on internally, nor do you know their texture of their hair. So I can recommend products to you all day long, but what's going to work for my hair may not work for your Mm -hmm. hair. Let's talk about the density. Let's talk about the texture. Let's talk about the curl pattern. Let's talk about medication that you may be on. You know, do you have any iron deficiencies? Are you, do you, are you, what's your thyroid levels like? Do you, are you on blood pressure medication? She's getting specific. Are you hormonal? Um, <laughs> are you going through menopause? There's so many things that factor in with going on with our hair. People are like, my hair is thinning. And it's like, okay, your hair is thinning. All right. Why is it thinning? Is it age? Is it stress? Is it your diet? you know, what's causing these problems to, to occur. So do you go through those questions with each client that you see? Um, I generally, you know, in the beginning, I don't ask too many questions because I don't want people to feel like I'm being intrusive, but I do explain, I do explain. And I think that clients that come to me or come to aesthetic salon understand that our approach is different. We are a relaxer free, keratin free salon space. Um, so we do talk about, okay, what's going on with your hair and the longer a, a stylist and a client have a relationship, I could see what goes through your hair in every season, right? Mm-hmm. So you could come in and be like, my hair is so damaged and this happened and that happened. And I'm like, I, you, this is your first visit. I don't know what happened prior to coming in. <laughs> it's a history. But when I wash your hair, I could probably see if it's heat damage. Mm-hmm. There's a scent sometimes mm-hmm. for heat damaged That's hair or it. overly processed <laughs> hair chemically um i could see if it's limp if it's brittle if it's breaking is it shedding or is it breakage do you have small pieces um are you putting it in ponytails too much and is that what's causing the breakage are you not moisturizing are you a swimmer um are you athletic and you work out and you don't rinse your hair so there's salt buildup on your hair mm-hmm. there's so many factors that come into play so i talk with clients and i also I notice like iron deficiencies I could spot out a little sooner um, just because I've dealt with that the most. I'm like, okay, this looks like there's something going on with your iron levels. So I'll just, I'll generally ask like, how are your iron levels? Like what's your overall health like? What's your regimen? What's your lifestyle like? And kind of there's ways around it that I ask the questions that I need to kind of figure out what I need to ask next. Okay, there, there is a whole science that you have developed around this in approaching hair and hair care. And, and it's not something that I, yes, you could say that I've developed it. I won't say that I developed, it's that I practice. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that I really try to place emphasis on the importance of seeing licensed professionals. There's reasons why as hairstylists, we have to take um, a board exam to get licensed and I'm not knocking the girls who don't have licenses who work under their houses or who have God-given talent but your the way that you approach hair changes once you have the education mm-hmm. right so in cosmetology school we learn about 
chemicals. We learn about um, disinfection and sanitation. We learn about fungal diseases. We learn about the theory of electricity. Mm-hmm. We understand like all the different factors of how chemicals, you know, how they react to one another when they're mixed. And so when you're licensed, I think that because you've gone through training a little more extensively, you your approach is different. And not everybody is, but at least when I start saying things like, when stylists who hear me talk, they could relate because I'm like, all right, I could talk about porosity levels. I could talk about if something's more acidic. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say like, okay, you need a neutralizing shampoo, like where is your hair on the pH level? Where is water on the pH scale? All of these things come, is it more alkaline or more acidic? Things like that come in, come into play. And once I think you understand that, it's you're you're able to be a better stylist. You're be you're able to combat, you know, issues that come into the salon. And there, I don't believe that there's any stylist that could come in and say, I never see a client that has any issues. Like at some point in your career, someone's gonna have something. Yes. You know, maybe they changed their birth control and their hair changed. You know, you can't say that birth control will change the way that your weight fluctuates, but it's not going to change how it affects my hair. That's crazy. That's just crazy. That's not possible. So, you know, you really want to make sure that you you consult with a professional. And I also know that there are certain things that I can't do. So I tell clients all the time, you need to go see a dermatologist. Mm -hmm. Your hair and your scalp is an extension of your face and its skin, and a dermatologist could combat or help you know deal with whatever issues that you're having um and then you know you can there's just the side effects of medication if you read the side effects sometimes it says hair loss you know people are like my hair was so beautiful when i was pregnant and then it all fell out and i'm like did it really fall out or did it go back to the thickness of your hair before you got pregnant because you're not taking the same amount of vitamins yeah and your hormones are trying to regulate and your body's trying to balance itself out and once you find that equilibrium it's like all right sometimes it is thinner than before but sometimes it's just like no i just got used to the thickness for the past nine months <laughs> you, you are passionate about this it's yeah. clear to me um but of course i do want to ask you some more specific questions about your clients probably your most well-known client um this is michelle obama she is a living legend amongst black women a signed black womanhood so how did you two connect and what were those first few times like when you had your hands in the hair of the first lady? So we connected back in 20, I'm sorry, 2009. Um, and my mentor, Johnny Wright, was her primary hairstylist. And when I started assisting him, he asked me if I would move to D.C. to help him with the girls and Mrs. Robinson and Mrs. Obama and... Mm-hmm. I initially said no. Um, I, was, I was 21. I grew up in Southern California. I was like, yeah, I'm not moving to D.C. Um, but I changed my mind. Uh, he moved in February. I moved in April. So my mind changed quickly. I was just kind of like, eh, there's nothing holding me here. I don't have kids. I was in a relationship. So I was like, oh, I'm really going to just give up on this relationship. But I was like, what, what's meant to be will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up relocating. And... I remember the first time that I met them, I was just kind of, I think growing up in California, you are unfazed by celebrities. Um, and they're, they're not celebrities, but they are definitely 
very influential human beings in America and in this in this world. So obviously there's that like, oh, wow. But I, I've, I've taken the approach that people are people. Mm-hmm. And as long as you treat people like human beings and then, then they appreciate that, especially when you think of people that hold those types of high positions. And so I remember meeting them and I was just kind of like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, pleasure to meet you. And kind of my, my thing was like, I'm here to do a job, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to get out. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the approach that I took. Um, and obviously over the first of the years, um, we have developed a personal relationship and friendship um, as well. But initially that's not how it started off. Um, and to say that I wasn't, nervous would be a lie but it was just kind of like look I'm going to give it the best that I can and I had it took me a long time to realize I am here for a reason and I had to change the way that I thought and that was something that I learned from Johnny it was just like you are supposed to be here if you weren't supposed to be here you wouldn't be here and so it's like once I owned that then I was fine. Um, it's something that I, I talked about with my girls last week here, and I was telling them, you know, we had our salon meeting, and I was just kind of like, look, clients come to the salon either because they may have read something about me or because they follow me on social media or they saw something, and that's fine because I'm not taking new clients, but I've trained every single stylist that works in my salon to have the same approach as I do. Mm-hmm. And so... I tell them, like, you can't take it personal if they are overcritical of the way that you do things because that's everybody. Mm-hmm. People are going to be like, well, that's not how she did it. You know, when <laughs> she started on the right side of my head, you're starting on the left side of my head. You know, that's normal. Mm-hmm. People are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And so it is nothing against you. It's that they haven't became familiar with you and your mm-hmm. approach yet. And so I try to preach this so much to to stylists. It's like, as long as you take authority and control over a situation, a client will believe you. Mm -hmm. And as a female stylist, as a black woman, um, it was very hard for me to take that authority Mm -hmm. because it was natural for me to just kind of be like the timid, you know, reserved person. And so when I realized like, nope, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to tell you that I know what I'm doing. And, I think some of my clients have a love-hate relation because I will be quick to be like, no, girl, we're not doing that. Your hair can't handle that. Your hair doesn't need that. You just read that somewhere and that's wait, wait, great. Wait. Now, did you do that with the Obamas? You'd be no. like, no, girl, you can't do that? Or I mean, I, I do. It, it's a conversation with any client that I yeah. have. It's the way that I approach hair. It's like, you know, what's in the best interest of the health of your hair? This is like completely going off, but not to knock the phenomenon of like lace frontals and wigs. I don't offer lace uh, frontals as a service in the salon because I don't believe in it. Mm. I don't believe in chemical services like relaxers or keratin, which is why we don't offer it in the salon. Mm. Just because I'm like, I don't really know what this is going to do to your hair over time. Or I know what it's going to do to your hair over time and I know it is going to be problematic mm-hmm. and traumatic to you later on. Um, and so I, I always make a reference to Cardi B when she was pregnant um, and she was talking about pregnancy and the, the, the benefits of it and her breasts getting larger and her skin glowing. And then she was like, but you know what I'm not a fan of? She was like, this glue pulling out these edges from these wigs. And I was like, girl, yes, please. (laughs) Because clients see celebrities and they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I want that. And it's just like, you really don't want that because you have to remember when you see a picture, it's an image. It's a moment in time. 
it's a still shot image. And it's like, you don't know if that's been photoshopped, one. And two, you don't know what's going on underneath there. It's like, do they have edges? There was a there was a moment where there was an image of Naomi Campbell that had surfaced. Oh yeah, and it was it was a big conversation um, in in the viral world because it was like she ain't got no edges, she ain't got no edges, and I'm just kind of like, well, yeah, because when she started her modeling career, there weren't as many experienced stylists that knew how to deal with textured hair and that knew what the long effects would be of bonding mm-hmm. or of you know, braiding too tight or, you know, a number of things. I, I don't know what happened, what caused her, her, her situation to, to transpire, but you have, to me, I'm like, things need to be around long enough for me to know what, what this is going to be. So. <laughs> I know that this is your space and your salon home here. When you go to other places, um, on tours or even in the White House, is there a salon? Or are you bringing all of your own equipment? I have a full travel kit with me at all times. Mm-hmm. I have multiple kits with me. I have a kit. I have everything that's in the salon. I have a kit that I could show you that's in the trunk of my car. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, I went through all of the tools that I had at home and was like, this is actually problematic. I have way too many things and <laughs> I need to condense them. And I kind of put it together. But I have a kit that I take for, like, photo shoots. I have a kit that I take for bridal. Um, You know, I kind of have, like, a massive kit. And then I kind of condense based on what I'm doing. Um, Which has been a good thing and a bad thing. Because there have been moments where I've gone somewhere. And I was under the impression I was going to do something. And then someone switches it up. So I wasn't fully prepared. Um, So I learned from those mistakes. And I've learned now that you kind of have... You should be able to do anything when you go on location. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just for, that's from photo shoots to um, getting somebody ready for a high profile event. And especially now you see there's companies like Be Glammed and um, mm-hmm. their mobile styling services. And so when you think about, you don't know what you're going to go do. So you have to be prepared. Yeah. I follow your Instagram account also, and I see that you're often flying out during the early morning hours or um, to really pursue your craft. How do you manage your schedule and decide what jobs you'll take with various celebrities and political officials? Um, my availability, really. I I will I will work with pretty much anybody. Let me watch what I say. Um, yeah, <laughs> let me watch what I say. I, I shouldn't say that. I will work with a lot of clients, um, various clients, female, male, ethnicity, doesn't matter. But I I have to have a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. I think that being somebody's hairstylist or working in, in someone's hair, it's a very sacred part of you. Um, and so I'm big on energy. And if we don't vibe, we don't vibe. Um, and I like to surround myself with good people, um, caring individuals, even with, you know, high profile or political officials. I want to make sure that who you are at your core is somebody good. Um, and so I have clients that come to the salon from all walks of life, from all, you know, political backgrounds, religious backgrounds. Um, and so for me, it's just like if you're a good person and we vibe, and we get along and you're respectful and you're polite and we could get together. But I another thing that I try to emphasize is that not all money is good money Mm -hmm. Um, and you can't especially when you're early on in your career you can't take every job that comes to you because you don't know what is 
out there for you next, right? And what's on the horizon. So being selective is good. Um, so I do ask, you know, like, what is the job? What's it for? Um, I ask questions if they're like big jobs. Um, and then, you know, I, I get bridal requests that are everywhere. And just kind of like, if you could, not that it's not money, but if you could afford me or then I, you know, I'm available, then I'll do it. But I also take into consideration what's happening on, on my calendar, like mm-hmm. what's going on the week before, the week after, how often, if it's out of state, like how often have I been traveling? Mm-hmm. Do I just need a moment to sit? Yeah. Okay. So there needs to be some sort of alignment. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so I see that your hair is currently sort of has some blondes and browns in it, some it's curls. Okay, sweet. I'm just saying. My hair changes every day. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So I've seen you with various colors and looks. I think I've seen you with blue hair. I've seen you with straight bobs. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your hair journey and how it reflects your various experiences you faced as an Ethiopian-American woman um, related to hair and beauty? So first off, I don't have like the typical whatever typical Ethiopian hair is like I don't got that that's not my hair um so I make it though I could get it if I buy it and sew it in so you know you could you could do anything that's my my again I think that hair is a way to express yourself um I'd be lying if I didn't say there wasn't a strategy behind me changing my hair up so often I'm a hairstylist so I think that all hairstylists need to look polished. Um, I think you are your biggest business card and you are your biggest advertisement. So you have to change it up. Um, but I also change my hair to showcase, um, my stylist work. So I have a full weave in right now. One of my stylists colored it and one of my stylists installed it. And I do it for a number of reasons. One, because I don't want to do my hair anymore. I used to do everything for myself. It's just time consuming. And two, I have talented ladies that work with me and and not everyone gives them the opportunity to to show their talents. Because again, like I said, people are like, oh, I used to go to Yine, I want this way, this is how she did it. And I'm just like, what you don't even know is that she actually did that color, not me. (laughs) So, you know, I do it. Because of that, I do it. I change. I have lighter, curlier hair because we're going into the summer. I want people to know it's okay that they can wear their hair natural in the summer times and not put so much heat on their hair. Um, I do protective styles. Before this, I had long blue braids. Um, I just wanted something different, um, and I was in this blue phase. So I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna get knotless braids. It's like Picasso, you had a blue phase. So I had that, <laughs> and then before that, I had like a bob with like blues and greens and turquoises and teals it was like mermaidy and again it was just like hey guys we're in the salon I was like let's color my hair blue mm-hmm. we had time we both had cancellations and so we did it um before that I had a bob um which is one of my signature styles I love a short bob and mm-hmm. since some of the stylists that work with me won't cut my own hair I just cut weeds. she's rolling her eyes at people um, now yeah I am <laughs> They know who they are. Um, so, and I do it because people are like, well, how long is your hair? And I'm like, actually, my hair is longer than my weave. People don't wear weave because they don't have good, quote unquote, good hair. People wear weave because they want to change their texture. People wear weave because they want to change their color and not compromise the health of their own hair underneath. There's a number of reasons why people wear extensions. People want fullness. People want to just give it a little like fluff or whatever it is or zhuzh. And so, 
I use myself as a way to show people because what I've learned, um, if you think about as clients, if you think about the salon that you go to, you generally mimic the, the same styles that your hairstylist wears. So if you have short hair, you generally go to a stylist that has short hair. If you have natural hair, you go to somebody that has natural hair. People will trust you because they look at you. Like, I'll tell you this. When I go get my eyebrows down, I'm like, ooh, when I, when I move, if I'm trying somewhere new, I'm like, who has the best eyebrows in here? I'm going to go to you. Because if you can make yourself look that good, yeah. I trust and believe that you can make me look that good. Um, so I think that, you know, clients that wear extensions, go to stylists that wear extensions. Um, since I've colored my hair, I've had three clients request it. Since I've changed my hair, people are like, what's that? I want that. And I'm like, and I, and I, it's something that I show my girls. I'm like, see, told y'all. The second one person, one of them, and there was a point where all of us had bobs in our hair. Different forms of bob. Short, blunt bob, asymmetrical bob, you know, longer bob. One was dark, one was very blunt, and one was highlighted. But all of us did it very differently. So people could see it's all extensions, but you it's all different yeah and everyone's like i can't pull that off and it's like yes you can it just needs to be cut to your face oh, i know i need one i've never had a bob i gotta come get one for well me. your hair's long on top so we don't have to cut some of your hair if you want a bob now <laughs> yeah so it sounds like you you really understand business um and so as a full-time hair care professional and entrepreneur what are some of the challenges then that you face in pursuing your craft challenges like with client challenges, opening the business challenge. What in what regards? Okay, let's let's say in opening the business, girl. Opening the business is hard, and you have to. I'm somewhat of a micromanager, and I'm very possessive and controlling about things that are mine. So, like, I this salon was my baby. It was my everything. I poured everything into it. So when things weren't executed with the same level of care, it was very frustrating. Mm. Um, that being said, I also picked people to work with me. Um, and everyone from the contractors to my design team were people that I had personal relationships with because I felt like they know me. So they know how invested I am in this business. So they were going to, they will approach it with love and care yeah. as well. Um, so I think it really goes back to finding a team to work with you or work alongside you, whether it's that, that are people that care and that love you and, and want to see you flourish and want to see you grow. Um, I remember calling my contractors on a Sunday. I want to say it might've been Mother's Day, it was a holiday. I really want to say it was Mother's Day because we didn't open until June. And I was like, it's Sunday. I don't care what y'all got. We have to have a meeting right now. Meet me at the shop. And I was hollering, hooting, and cursing them out. <laughs> no. Every morning. Every morning. Uh, one of my contractors told me, I called him every morning at 8 o'clock. Be like, I'm up. Why aren't you up? Why is nobody at the sun? Why aren't y'all doing this? And he'd be like, bruh, chill. <laughs> chill we got this we gave you a time and i'm like but the timeline said you guys are gonna have this complete today and it wasn't complete today they're like something came up <laughs> while we were doing what we were doing something unexpected came up that we have no control over so we have to push that a day because we have to address this problem and i'd be like oh okay and i'd have to check myself but i think that i really relied on the people subject matter experts in their respected fields and their career I relied on them to guide me if there was something that I didn't know I asked for help I there's no way I could know it all I think that 
as, as much as I like clown around and joke and say that my degree was a very expensive piece of paper, I do think that what I learned in school helped me have a general idea of how to manage opening a business. Um, and there are things that I think that I've learned academically that have helped me um, grow and look at what's next, you know, understanding like, do I have a retirement plan set up? Do I have liability insurance? You know, what how am I protecting myself? Do I have, like right now I'm in the process of getting specialty insurance because I'm about to insure my hands. What? I'm crazy. But I think about different things. So I'm like, well, if athletes yeah, do like it, a boxer. Or, or doctors do it, or surgeons <laughs> do it, why can't I? You know? You're a hair surgeon. And so it's one of those things where it's just like, do you have a fund that if you had to call out sick, are you okay? What saving strategies do you have? You know, are you a cash and carry business only? Or do you are you establishing credit? That was one of the things that I learned. Like... I know I could afford things to open up a business, but on paper, could I afford things? It's like, oh, girl, we gonna lower, we gonna write this off, so we can lower our tax payment. It's like, okay, then try to get qualified for a business loan, <laughs> and you don't get qualified. So it's just those types of things I learned in school, and I understood the importance of it. And I, I'm a child of um, entrepreneurs, so you know there are a lot of things that my dad did that I still do. Um, my dad still writes. Like when he pays a bill, he writes with a check and then he writes the check number on the bill and he files it and he keeps it for a year. And if you come into my house right now, you'll see file cabinets and I do the same thing. But I, it was just things that I picked up and people are like, really, you don't just do auto pay? And I'm like, no, I need to know that I paid that. Um, okay, so you do it old school and structured and formal. But I also live off of a Google Calendar, girl. Calendars <laughs> are my best friend. Everything is on the calendar from time with my friends to time with my boyfriend to time days that I'm in the salon to doctor's appointments to calls that I have to make to meetings that I have to workouts everything in the world is on my calendar I live off of a calendar all right well that sounds like it gives that structure I'm wondering too considering this entrepreneurial life and having high standards um what does your self-care look like? Girl, when I leave here today, um, <laughs> I'm going to work out at 2. And then I'm getting a massage this evening. Ooh. I will be at the spa. Um, I, I, I treat myself. I've learned if there's one thing anyone that knows me could say is that I take care of myself. I get massages regularly. I am now going back to setting boundaries um, on my personal space and my personal time with making sure that I have time to work out, making sure that I have time to cook, making sure that I have time. I vacation. Mm -hmm. uh, true story. Opened this salon and left the next day and went to Italy <laughs> and left Salim by herself. I was like, girl, you got this back. <laughs> wow. And, and, and people, and, and she was like, huh? And I'm like, you're fine. <laughs> and Partially because I knew that she would be fine and I knew that if I threw her in that situation, she would beast through it. But then the other part of it was just like, oh, no, this vacation was planned and the salon opened later than it was supposed to. And that I don't care. I'm leaving. I will lock the doors and I will leave. So even though you call all those people on Mother's Day, you needed to have your boundaries. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't care. I was like, it was June 9th. I want to say we opened and June 10th I left. I, no, my first client was June 9th at 4 p.m. After I got off of a flight from L.A., I'll never forget that, was my cousin. And then it was a Tuesday. 
And then Wednesday was I worked in the salon, and Thursday morning I left and I went to um, Barcelona actually for a bachelorette, and then went to Italy after that for a wedding, 2017. And I was like, "Yep, I'm out of here. Bye, guys. Y'all be fine." And she was fine. See, okay, she was fine. And and then when I went on the book tour with Mrs. Obama from November until last weekend, Sunday. They held it down. And every one of my clients was like, your team held it down while you were away. And I was like, I know that they could. And even though they were like, oh, what are we going to do? I I believe that when you throw people into situations, it's like fight or flight mode, right? Mm-hmm. So like some survival is going to happen. Survival is going to happen. You're going to figure out a way. And, and to me, I do that because I want everybody to succeed. I want everybody to grow. So it's like I'm transparent. My girls will tell you. I'm open book. You ask me anything, I'll show you numbers. I'll show you things. <laughs> they have access to everything. They have access to my bank. They'd be like, oh, sometimes to the point where they have access to the bank accounts and to chart. And I'm like, yeah, girl, go ahead. I don't. I don't care. You want to take time off? Book it. I don't care. You control your life. You control your life. If you need time off, Sally might have to force to take time off because <laughs> she likes to work. But I forced her to take time off this summer. This is just January. I was like, she's on vacation for two weeks by force. But she worked the holiday season while I I was gone. And then I came back and she was still working. I had to leave unexpectedly. And I was just like, no, girl, just cancel time. Life happens. They'll be fine. Okay. They'll be fine. Having the flexibility. But that's being an entrepreneur. That's what you have. Okay. All right, so this is like my last question. Okay. So what's next? Um, a lot of things. Um, possibly working on a tool line mm-hmm. for overseas. I have a prototype. I'm in the process of finishing my first online program called the Beautypreneur School, which should launch in September, mm-hmm. um, which is an online program dedicated to beauty professionals and having them understand the business side of it, um, building the clientele that you want, understanding your worth, your value, um, finding the right salon space for you, whether it's, you know, when you're just starting off and coming out of high uh, hair school, I get people DMing me all the time and I reply to everyone. I actually take the time. It may take me a few days, but like I responded to somebody today, she she's a new stylist in the industry and she wants to know how she built a clientele. And I was like, girl, there's so many factors. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I do monthly tips for stylists. Um, I really want to get into education. Again, I'm an open book. I want everybody to thrive. I'm not the stylist for everybody and every client isn't for me. Whether I want to service them or not, I can't physically. And so I think that no matter where you live, no matter where you fall on the economic ladder, you deserve quality service and you deserve um, professional hair care. And therefore, I believe that I have to share what I've been proving um, to learn at this point in my career with the next generation of stylists. And so I want my clients to know that if they go to Houston, there is someone that will treat them the same way that they get treated here. And I think that if I turn the industry into being um, inclusive, then it will be better. I think that when we when we build, building community is the only way to make change. 
And so just trying to find ways to, to build a community within the hair space where we don't look at each other as competition and rather we collaborate. Like if I can't service you in this salon, I, I started here. It starts, you know, you do it on a, on, a, on a small scale and you work out. So here, if a client calls and they request me or they request Frey or they request Nika, and they're not available, we say, but somebody else is available, you go to somebody else. We offer you that appointment. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, I just want to make sure that you're taken <coughs> care of. And we all approach hair the same way, so I know you'll be in good hands. Mm -hmm. And if that's not okay with you, then I can't help you, but at least I've provided you with options. Because the client always comes first. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think having worked in hospitality, um, and like I said, parents being entrepreneurs, it, I approach it a little bit differently. And I just want other people to take back um, uh, this girlfriend of mine, she's a makeup artist, and she said, we got to collaborate, collaborations over competition. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I'm like, yes, you know, mm -hmm. artists united, stylists supporting stylists. It's something that's important that we all have to practice um, in our day to day life. So that's that's like immediate plans. And then, you know, personally, just, you know, stepping back from how much I give to my career and working on my personal life, marriage, kids. Okay. okay. That, that. All, all, all of that, that. All of that. All of that. Don't get too excited about that. <laughs> this is what we're supposed to talk about in here, though. Yeah, girl. Because every client, when I come in, they're like, you engaged yet? You married? <laughs> you pregnant? I'm like, mm-mm. None of that. <laughs> nope. And it's like, y'all wish that upon me, but let me say, I'm pregnant and I'm leaving you all. They're going to be like, what? So it's like, you, you know, benefit from it, but you know. So yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for thank allowing you. me to ask you all these questions today. I feel like I just got my hair done. Uh, <laughs> this was very historical um, to come to this space for the first time. It's beautiful. Um, to you. Yanae, how can listeners get in contact with you and keep up to date with your various projects? Um, you can follow me on Instagram um, at Dam 2 I have a website where I kind of, if you just want to, that will be expanding. Um, and then following along on the salon website. And then if you're a stylist, sign up. I have a newsletter that goes out. I give free business tips um, every month. Um, um, I do a lot of Instagram stories and I ask questions of like what people want to know. Um, and then I try to answer them. If I don't answer it that day, I use that to, to write the content that um, I give out for my free tips. Um, and then you know, I have some exciting things. I just did a, our first annual Mother's Day makeover. Um, I'm getting ready to launch something special for stylists, uh, some, a program for them that will be announced in the coming months. So, you know, if you social media, I guess, unfortunately, we live in a digital world. Um, so, yeah. Cool. And as always, you can follow the latest psychotherapy information through our website, psychotherapy.org and Instagram handle at psychotherapy. And of course, if you like this podcast, please consider sharing it to your stylist friends, to all your friends who want to know all the information about hair care and business and politics of doing this work. And so in closing, let's remember that a path to healthy hair is having strong roots. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>